0: different things that happen along the way, and usually, right, there's at some point where the main character has to sacrifice his life, and then in the end, he'll, you know, a miracle happens, and he comes back, and, and then the, and the quest is done, and that's like this this journey, they call it. So, like, again, like, The Hobbit has followed that that storyline. We see it in, like, some of the Star Wars stories. We see it in a lot of different uh, epics that have been written in the last hundred years or so. But what I find really interesting about that is most of the time what they're paralleling is the life of Jesus. It's like somebody read the the four Gospels and decided, like, this is, like, an epic. This is, like, the book that has been spread all over the world. Like, I'm going to write a story similar to this. And you see it, like, with Superman, some of the original Superman storylines. And so we see that... Jesus came down and it was on assignment from his father and then he has his 12 disciples and the journey they go on and then how the enemy comes and he sacrifices his life for everybody and then he rises again and, and then how that journey continues on. Well, the Star Wars came out in, with George Lucas in the what, 70s is when the original he had actually written all six episodes, he calls them before they did any of the movies but when he took his episodes or his different movie lines to the studios they really liked four five and six they they liked the drama between you know and and if I'm spoiling anything for anybody I apologize it came out in the 70s if you haven't seen it by now you probably weren't making that a priority so I'm about to tell you a spoiler everybody prepare yourself so they like that, like the climax of you've got this enemy, right, this Darth Vader. And then you've got this young man by the name of Luke. And he's, and he's going and he's battling the bad guy, right, the Dark Vader. And at one point, Dark Vader looks at him and goes, Luke, I am your father. You know, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Now, if you would have seen episodes one, two, and three, you would have seen how originally it wasn't Darth Vader, It was a little boy named Anakin. And they do a really good job in the first episode that were re-released. They actually made those movies many years after the fact. They came out in the late 90s, early 2000s or so. And you see that Darth Vader wasn't originally a Darth Vader. He was a little boy by the name of Anakin. And he eventually marries the princess with Queen. And they have two children, twins, Leia, and Luke who are separated at birth and they meet up on this quest then in the fourth movie and eventually Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his father and that Princess Leia is his sister and so again this is an epic story why am I talking about it on church on Sunday well because out of all the different stories I really think that when George Lucas did all of this work with the dark side and being a Jedi and this power that they have, it's very reminiscent of the spiritual warfare and the spiritual power that we have as Christians. Now, it's hard for me to get up here and sometimes explain it because you can't see what's going on in the spirit realm. But if you've ever seen... A Star Wars film and I say, the force is with you, or don't go over to the dark side, or use your Jedi mind power, right? And you're, you you followed along those movies, you get it, because you've seen it. That's why stories are so powerful. It takes a concept and it puts it in a visual form for you to be able to understand. Now, we have here in Bay City, witches. There's shops here in town where you can go and pay and have someone read your tarot cards or read your palm and do all these different things. I just saw on Facebook the other day somebody posted something, and I was looking through at all of her stuff. And here's the thing. She seems legitimate, and she seems like a professional because they charge for what they do. But as a Christian, I can get up and say, okay, I can prophesy over you and I can, you know, pray and command and do have spiritual authority way bigger than her, but because I don't charge for it and I don't have a shop and I don't advertise and put it all over Facebook, it doesn't seem like I'm legitimate. But that's how like the dark side is, right? The dark side says, look at me, We you know we're doing all of these different things and this is power this works and people will review them and say oh Yeah, she told me this and it came out to be true But then yet on the Christian side of things because we are told that is not what we rejoice over We do not ask for money for that That is a power that you have because that's who you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit has enabled you and given you that authority But we don't make a big deal out of it so when people are in crisis or when people are looking for an answer The lady who's advertising down the street come in is the first place that the world goes to and We as Christians need to be aware of that So we're not deceived because many of us I mean I remember being young and growing up and my friends and people people were in the church Why better read my horoscope so I know what my future holds Right because that's all they know that's what they've seen and it's not until we sit down and talk about it and say your destiny is not in what these people are interpreting the stars about because of the day you were born. Your destiny is determined by God, and the Holy Spirit will enable the prophets and the pastors and the elders of your church to be able to speak over, to, over you. And you actually have been given authority. You can hear from the voice of God. But unless you know and someone tells you that you have that authority and how to hear the voice of God, you're not going to know. So at least go to a spiritual leader that believes in Christ and is not charging you for that so that they can help you and they can agree with you and they can be praying for you. And so we have spiritual authority as Christians, and we are in spiritual warfare. But because we don't see it, we don't understand it, we make statements like, I'm having a bad day. Or, I'm having a bad year. Or, this is just really bad luck. Or, um, you know, the world's just out to get me. I don't know what to do. These are statements that the world has taught us to say because we don't understand what is really going on. We don't understand that I can just use the name of Jesus and the enemy must flee. We watch movies like The Exorcist and we see this Catholic priest running around throwing water and screaming and being chased out of a house by a little girl and we think that's reality and so I better not even talk about spiritual things because if a Catholic priest in this movie can't handle it then how am I going to handle it? But the reality is that's a Hollywood movie and that's not how it works. But that's the only portrayal we see of these things. But then we watch Star Wars, and we know the good is gonna win. The Jedi is always more powerful, you know. But we see, even in the movies like this, I will say, they try to make it out like it's equal, it doesn't it? It tries to make it out like, you know, we just watched episode one over again the other day, and the Darth Maul, I think, is the bad guy in that one, like the big one that he's fighting. And he kills the main Jedi. And so the apprentice, which is Obi-Wan, who becomes one of the characters in the Further Up movies, ends up killing him. So it's like, okay, well, the bad guy could kill a good guy, but then a good guy could kill a bad guy, so it's kind of equal. It's kind of 50-50 if you're going to win or not. And that's not even incorrect, not when it comes to Christianity. There is no 50-50. So many times I talk to people, and I say, we envision Jesus is here and Satan is here, and they're, they're equal, and they're fighting against each other. But that is not the truth. That is not the truth. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus is up here. And they created the angels, which the Bible says is just one step above humans and then humans. Now what happened is the angels have free will just like we do. And out of all of those angels, there were at least three that we know of. There could have been more, but at least three angels that had more authority, more power, were made for a special purpose. We see Michael, an archangel. We see Gabriel, who is a mouthpiece of God. And we see Lucifer. And Lucifer was in charge of the worship in heaven. And Lucifer thought he was so amazing because his, his power and his Ability to lead the worship was greater than he thought than anybody else's and he began to think that he was better and greater than God And He ends up saying like to the other angels we don't need God look how amazing he made me we we don't need God We can go and so God ends up casting Lucifer and Lucifer takes a third of the angels with him and they get cast down to earth And now we call him Satan so, Jesus is still up here. Jesus is God. Jesus is the bodily form of God. We use the name of Jesus because God has given us his name and his authority. And the angels are below him. And Lucifer has been cast down. It is Satan. And even though humans don't have the ability to see in the spirit realm, like, like the angels can, right? The angels can see the earthly realm and the spirit realm, because As humans, we are on a bodily form here, and the angels have the ability to fly and do this. We're not at the same level of them. That's why the Bible says we're one step below them. Why? Because we don't have the powers that they have to be able to do all these different things. But the authority has been given to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to look here at Scripture because I can tell you, but if you don't know that that is true, it's hard for you to accept it. It'd be kind of like if somebody came in here and says, they have a re- new, weird, you know, roundabout, you know, one-way thing, and, and the red light takes forever. And if you were a brand-new driver and I said to you, well, you can turn left on a red light if it's a one-way, you might be like, eh, she told me that, but I don't know if I believe it. But if I Googled the law and I sent you a link and your phone and said, read this, it says, yes, in Michigan law, you can turn left on a, on a one way, even if it's red, if no one's coming, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I'm going to turn left when I've been sitting here forever, right? Because you know that legally you're allowed to do that. So unless we know what the actual scripture says that we can do with the authority, then we won't know so we're gonna look at it scripturally one other thing I'll, I'll talk to people and I'll you know they'll be telling me about oh, I'm just having a really bad day or or I'm having this really bad situation with somebody and I'll be like well that's maybe it's just demonic maybe what's going on and your house is just demonic like you've, you've done everything in the physical realm you can do you've done everything in the in the relationships you can do you know maybe I just need to come in and pray with you over your house and we need to tell the demons to leave and they'll be like Oh, I don't believe in demons And I'll be like what I don't believe in demons Mary oh okay let's step back do you believe in Jesus well yes I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian do you believe that God has sent angels to help you yes I believe in angels okay but you don't believe in demons no I don't believe in them I'll be like well what about what God's Word says that Lucifer was a fallen angel And that now because he's separated from God that's what evil is is the absence of God that they are out there and they are doing things well I don't then this is when they'll clarify well I know what the Bible says but if I believe in them and I think about them then I'm gonna get afraid because I think they have more power than me so it's better for me just to say I don't believe in them okay so denying the fact That They exist means that they have no power over you. I wish I would have thought of that one. Why didn't Jesus tell us that? Right, that's kind of like saying if I deny that the IRS exists, then I don't have to pay my taxes How long do you think we can go doing that? Before somebody catches up with you if I deny that there are termites eating the foundation of my house It'll never fall The reality is angels and demons are real there is a spirit realm we are body soul and spirit we live in an earthly body here on earth with spiritual things happening all around us all the time and you have all of you every single one of you have had a spiritual experience that you don't understand you can't explain you've walked down a dark alley at night one time and felt really weird you don't know why And you've walked at night in the dark before in other places and never felt that way. Why? Because something spiritual is happening in that area. You have had fear, and Satan tries to use that fear to get you to understand that you don't have any authority. But I'm here today to educate you, to tell you what your authority is, that you don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to say, well, maybe there's something demonic going on in my house, Mary, But if I deny it, it won't hurt me. No, it's going to try to hurt you whether you believe it or not. Satan doesn't play fair. God is a gentleman, and he'll say, if you don't want my intervention, I won't do anything. Satan doesn't do that. Satan doesn't say, well, you don't want my intervention, I'm not going to do anything. No. He's going to intervene. He's going to attack you. Let's look here in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking, and he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan is only here to try to kill, to try to steal, and to try to destroy. He has no other purpose. No other purpose. I have talked to people who have been in situations where, you know, they've had witches come to them. Maybe they're, you know, in a situation where they don't have a spouse or a girlfriend at the time, and, and they want to be with somebody, and they'll say, like, hey, you know, let's, let's do this or let's do that. Maybe it's, like, some sort of sexual thing to Satan. And they'll be like, you're going you're gonna to just get to have fun. We're going to have sex. I'm just going to be doing these chants over here on the side, and I'm going to light these candles. It'll be no big deal. No. Satan wants somebody to come in so he can kill, steal, and destroy, and then afterwards that person will come to me, And say, now I'm being tormented. Now I'm having all these problems. And I know it's the day that I participated in a sexual thing with a satanic witch. And I'll be like, these things happen and these things are real. These things are spiritual things that are happening. And it seems more powerful because when you invite that in, it it takes over and it destroys parts of your life. But the reality is what we do when we come here and we worship is just as powerful, but we don't invite God to come with us outside of this place. So you feel it when you're here, but you don't always invite it wherever you go. So the reality is Satan has been defeated. When Jesus went to the cross, he was gone for three days. A lot of times we don't talk about that. There's different scriptures that kind of go into the details of what's happening and we don't really make a big deal about it because we're just focusing on the fact that he rose again and that when we believe in him, we're saved. But he went down into hell. There were some different things going on. The Jewish people, when they would believe in Christ, or excuse me, when they would believe in God and have the sacrifices, it was a place called paradise. This is where the Catholics then talk about purgatory because of these different scriptures that talk about this. And Jesus first went down, and he talked to those that were there in paradise. Their sins had been covered by the animal sacrifices, but because the Messiah hadn't come yet, they weren't in heaven yet. They were in a place called paradise. And Jesus first went there and said, Hey, guys, I'm the Messiah. You've been waiting for me. All of you who believe can now come to heaven. I'm assuming they all did, because they probably hadn't had a visitor like that in a while. So, all of the Jewish people were there, they went into heaven. And then Jesus went down into the depths of hell. And he went and he took away the keys of life and death from Satan and says, No more. You no more have any authority here on earth. You no more have any ability to be over our people anymore. And then he came back up, he rose again, he was in bodily form for another 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. So now when we read in the New Testament where it says you now have the authority, Jesus now has the keys to to death and to, to life, that is true. The authority that Satan had is now gone, and here's the thing, though. He still will walk around and pretend like he has it. It's kind of like, and I don't mean to get political here. I'm not doing this. I'm just using this as an example. Of like a president who's elected out of office but still walks around saying I'm still president some people will do that some people will say well I still have authority and I'm going to still try to to you know convince everybody that I'm still in charge when all the rest of us are sent back going no you're not you know maybe some of us wish you still were and maybe some people are glad you're not but you're, you're not But Satan is kind of like that. Satan is walking around saying, I still have authority. I can still make you fear. I can still make you squirm. I can still steal from you. I can still kill. kill. I can still do these things. And why does he try to give us hell on earth when he knows that we believe in Christ? Because he can't steal our salvation from us, but he can steal our experience here on earth from us. In that John 10.10 where it says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life to the full. What is he saying? He's saying look while you're here on earth you can have a full life but if you allow the thief to come in and steal from you and kill from you and destroy from you then you're not going to have a full life and he wants more for us than where we're at right now but if we don't realize that we are in spiritual warfare and that we have spiritual authority we won't move forward now the first time we one of the first times we see Jesus saying look you guys have authority it's not just me is in Luke chapter 9 verse 1 When Jesus had called the 12 together He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick Jesus has given us authority we see he first did it with the 12 that had been around him the most. They had watched him drive out demons. They had watched him bring healing. He says, look, you, you 12, you have this authority now. You've been watching how I've done this. Now go out and do this. And they did. We see this, this authority in the spirit realm has even explained even more in Ephesians. When we go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul is writing this to a church in Ephesia and he's trying to explain to them because they weren't there when Jesus walked the earth. They weren't there to see that when a demon was plaguing somebody that they could just walk up and say, go in the name of Jesus. So he's trying to explain to them that there's more beyond what they can see. He says in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love that first verse. I know it sounds silly, but... I'm not gonna be strong in my ability to kill the enemy. I'm not gonna be strong in, in my faith. I'm not gonna be strong in my might and my power. Because it's not my might and it's not my power and it's not you know what I can do, it's what God can do. If we don't realize that when we walk in spiritual authority, it's we're wielding the power of God, not our power, then we won't realize we don't have to be afraid. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's scheming against you. When you are going through financial hardship, when you are going through relationship issues, when you are depressed, when you are having all these different things, you always do your best. You always look and say, could I be better at relationships in this area? Do I need to apologize? Do I need to forgive? Do I need to let this go? Do I need something physical to be changed? Is it winter time in Michigan? Do I need some vitamin D? What do I need to do? But when you've done your best and you've looked at the physical and you've looked at the relational, now you need to say, what do I need to do spiritual? What do I need to do now spiritually? And let's be honest. You have to do this in every area of your life. If all of a sudden your bank account is hitting zero and you're bouncing checks, which I don't even know if that happens anymore, but it's everything, nobody has a checkbook, but let's bear with me and pretend like you know what a checkbook is. If You're bouncing checks. You need to look at it from more than one angle. First thing you need to say is, am I depositing as much as I used to deposit? Oh no, I got, my job got cut. I'm not making as much money. Then you need to say, am I spending too much money? What do I need to cut back on? And then third, you need to say, is somebody stealing my money? But you don't just look at a problem only from one angle. You always look at it from multiple angles to see what is going on. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I love how he takes the time to explain. Look, they have some authorities. And you, sometimes you give Satan that authority in your life. Well, how do I give Satan authority in my life? Well, sometimes you open the door and you invite him in. Like when you go to somebody who is, you know, reading your palm or you're, you're going right to a satanic ritual, you're, you're participating in that and you're giving that demon authority to be a part of your life. But then in other areas, maybe it's, it's spirit of lust. And every time you go to pornography to, to have whatever you wanna have with that, you're inviting that spirit of lust on you. And then when you wonder, like, well, why is it that I'm in a public place at a park and a, and a girl walks by in her bikini at the beach? I have these horrible thoughts. I don't want these horrible thoughts to come. Well, the night before when you were looking at pornography, you invited a spirit of lust into your heart, into your mind. To be with you you just want it to only be allowed to be with you when you're in the privacy of your home looking at that but that spirit doesn't play by your rules that spirit doesn't say well stay locked up and only come out when you want to play that spirit says I'm gonna stay with you and I'm gonna torment your thoughts why because Jesus says he only comes to steal kill and destroy he has no other purpose he's not there to give you pleasure and then not torment you the rest of the time When we invite these demons in, we think that we're getting the best of it. That's why sin is so appealing. Sin feels good, but it's when the sin and that temptation doesn't leave you and then it begins to affect the rest of your life in other areas that it becomes a problem. So we have powers of the dark world. It says that there are rulers against the authorities. Against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms So there's spiritual forces that are coming against you It's kind of like when you're here on earth and the storm comes against you when this, those those storm clouds come And when you see them coming, what do you do you take shelter you close up your windows? You bring your animals in So you recognize when here on earth, storm clouds come, but what do we do when the spiritual forces are coming against you? Do we say, oh, I don't believe the demons. I don't want to believe. If I don't believe, then they won't hurt me. I'm just, you know, how can she talk about this? She's trying to make us all afraid. No, I'm reading to you out of God's word. Jesus made a point to say, there is a devil... And I'm going to give you the authority to cast the devil out now go and cast the devil out Now there are some people that will say because in that first scripture when he first begins to tell people they can go and do this That it was just the 12 that Mary that's not for us today. That was just for the 12 And I say well, okay He told the 12 at first because those are the ones around him closest, but he didn't stop there Let's look at Luke chapter 10 So, Luke chapter 9, he sends out the 12. Luke chapter 10 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. What's interesting is when they returned, we see this here in verse 17. You know what I love about this is in verse 1 of chapter 10 he says He appointed them and sent them out ahead of him and he says go Harvest the people The workers are few go harvest the people Part of them sharing the gospel of Jesus was casting out demons when they returned They not only talked about how the people listen to them and how like they're prepared now for Jesus to come and share and but they said, We go into these towns wherever we go. If somebody is got if there's demons, they submit to us in your name. In your we use your name and they submit. We see again, I, I think I mentioned this last week in the book of Acts where there were some Jewish maybe I didn't maybe I was at the chapel at the mission, but there were some Jewish exorcists and they would go around and they would cast out demons cuz obviously the people of that day and age were very aware aware that things sometimes aren't just necessarily physical but sometimes it's spiritual and they would go and they began to see such an amazement on how the demons would obey by the name of Jesus that it said they would go into places and they would say I cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches and most of the time it would work But one time they came across a man that was so demonically oppressed that he looked at them and said, I know who Jesus is, and I know Paul, but who are you? Because even though they were Jewish people using the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached, they didn't believe in Jesus. And so they didn't have the authority. And this demon was like, I'm not even going to mess around. I'm not going to follow that. And they, they wrote about it in the book of Acts to show people Yes, the name of Jesus casts out demons, but you need to know and believe in Christ yourself. Now, most of us aren't Jewish people that are just using the name when it's convenient, so we don't have to worry about that. But we have to walk in that authority that we have. Most of us never do. Most of us, number one, never think of it. Satan's a great deceiver. If he can make you think that you're just having a bad day because the world is just out to get you or because you know, you were a horrible sinner in your youth and God's not blessing you right now and he can just destroy, you deserve whatever and never make you recognize and acknowledge that maybe this is happening in my life because Satan is just trying to destroy me, then you'll never even exercise any authority. So number one is recognizing, should I be using authority or not? This is what I've done over the years. When somebody wants me to pray for them, unless I have a strong feeling about it when I'm talking to them, which the Bible calls discernment, knowing what what the cause is. If I don't know, I say a prayer for both. Why does that hurt? Why does it take you any more longer than to say, Father God, I ask you to bring healing to this person's body. In the name of Jesus, amen. And Satan, if you are trying to torment this person, if this is a demonic power of infirmity, if this is a spirit of cancer, whatever this is, you must leave right now in the name of Jesus, and I bind you and I cast you out. That was, what, an extra 10 seconds for me to say that. Once you get into the, I hate to use the word habit, but it has to become a habit to exercise your spiritual authority in every situation that you're presented with, then you're covered. What is the difference if, you know, if you take a moment to say, I don't know if it's this or if it's this. Is it natural and this is just the consequence of your action? Or is it demonic and Satan is trying to attack you? Why not cover both? Why not say, God, help me in the realm, spiritual, or in the physical realm? And Satan, if it's you in the spiritual, I'm telling you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. You, can, you have the authority to do it every single time. And again, it's not my power that's making it leave. I don't have the power to make it leave. I love this. We see this all the way back in Deuteronomy. We've got Joshua who's leading the children of Israel, and they're coming up against this enemy. And we see here in Deuteronomy 3.22 where God says, Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. What is our enemies today? Well, we're not in the Ukraine, so we don't have Russians on our back door. We're in America, and Satan has convinced us that everything should be peachy keen all the time, and if it's not... Right? And if you're having a bad day, whatever karma is against you, whatever it is, this is something you deserve. And so we just accept it. But Jesus has come and says, There is snakes and scorpions and demons and all these things are gonna to try to harm you. But I have given you my authority and nothing will harm you. And in his name, he will fight those battles for us. So when I take authority in the spirit realm and tell him to go. They must obey. So we see how in Luke, he first started off with the 12, then he extended that to more, and then we see at the ends of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when he ascended into heaven after that 40 days that he had been alive, he'll, he says to them, cast out demons in my name. He says, you will handle Evil things and it will not harm you. Why? Because now you're using that authority. You're using the name of Jesus. We see in the book of John 14, 15, and 16 where Jesus is saying, Now, when you use my name. And in James, James was the Jewish leader of the Jewish church of Christians. At one point, they were harassed so bad that the Jewish people fled and they were all across Europe and the Middle East. So James wrote a letter. If you look at the beginning of James chapter 1, verse 1, he says, to the 12 tribes, which means the Jewish people who believe in Christ, who have been scattered among the nations, and he writes this letter of encouragement to them. So a lot of James is written to Jewish Christians and doesn't necessarily apply to us, but I love how he reminds them, because them as Jewish people, he didn't have to go into details like Paul did when he wrote the letter to Ephesians they know who Satan is. They know there's a spirit realm. But because now they have Christ and have that authority, it's much easier to deal with than it had been in the past. So we see in James chapter 4, verse 7, it's a very simple statement he says to them. He says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, when I say to Satan, you must go in the name of Jesus, that's resisting him. The word resist here in the Greek means to oppose, to set against. Sometimes we think of resist in our English word as like, you know, you know like my husband were to like push against me and I would resist that and I'd put a little pressure against it, that it's just like a little pressure, it's just whatever. But that word resist means to set against, to oppose. If you think about it, not just in, I'm resisting the temptation to eat chocolate today. That like, seems very mild, right? But if you think about, "I'm resisting arrest," usually that means you're opposing, you're fighting against it. So Satan is going to try to destroy, to kill, to come in. Sometimes it's on us. Sometimes that spiritual thing, like I said, if you're looking like if you open that door to something and that, that demonic thing is now going to be on you. You have to resist, you have to oppose it, you have to come against it. How? How do we do this, Mary? You're telling me that there's demons in my house and I'm gonna go home and every time the floor creaks, I'm gonna look around and think that there's a demon in my house. Yep, you are. And guess how you're going to resist it? You're gonna say, in the name of Jesus, go. That's all you have to do and then you're done. They have to leave. This, they will flee, it means they're gonna escape why are they escaping? You think they're going to stand their ground and try to fight you? No, because when you start using the name of Jesus, you know what authority you have in the name of Jesus? You have the authority to bind them. You have the authority to cast them down to hell. You have authority to do way more than just resist them and tell them to leave. As soon as you start throwing out the name of Jesus, and now that they know you've been, asked, been educated, they're going to escape. They're going to leave. Before you leave here today, we're going to pray, and if you want me to pray for you, then I'll have you say amen at the end of the prayer. And you know in your heart when I start praying that you want that. And I'm not only going to pray for any demonic thing that might be on you that followed you into this place. We're going to tell it to go. But we're going to pray for your home life. We're going to pray for your driving life. We're going to pray for your relationships. We're going to pray for your work life. And we're going to say, hey, if there's any demon there, you better leave now. And when you go in there, they're going to want to escape. They're going to want to go because they're going to know that you've been educated. And you don't have to be... Strong in your faith. You don't have to be educated and and know every little thing All you have to use is the name of Jesus All you need is the name it is that simple sometimes people try to overcomplicate it Sometimes people you can take whole theology classes for years on what exactly happens But I tell you all what right now You don't need to take two years in auto mechanic school to know that if you put gas in your car, it'll run, do ya? You didn't need two years of auto mechanic school to understand how that gasoline makes the pistons fire and makes the wheels turn. You grew up and you watched your parents put gas in the car and it ran. And so when you got a car, you took it, when it said E, and you put gas in the car. It was that simple. You don't need two years of theology to be able to walk into a house and tell the demons to get the H-E-L-L out do ya and If I was in your home, and I felt strongly I needed to say it I'd say it I'm not saying it here because somebody's recording me, and I'll get letters, but I'm telling you you can tell the demons to go to where they belong You don't have to live with them what kind of authority do you have over your house? If I decide to move in tomorrow, and I'm leaving a mess everywhere in and the and that, I wasn't invited. Won't you just call the cops at one point and say I got a squatter in my house? Get her out. Won't you tell me just to get out? You have the authority to tell your neighbors not to live in your garage. So why are you letting the demons live in your guest room? But see, because you don't see them, and you don't want to believe it, because you're scared of it you just ignore it but then yet the messes they're leaving and the traps they're having for you you keep falling into it so today is the day that you are reminded of who you are you are a child of the most high god what do you think why i wore this i love this so princess leia was the daughter of the queen so she's a princess so she's out there they're fighting the bad guys and the one guy, I always would give her a hard time and say, okay, princess, meaning that she couldn't fight and she couldn't, you know, wasn't as strong. And I remember her at one point saying, don't call me princess. She was a fighter. Now, you were all prince and princesses of God, but that doesn't mean that you sit there and you're just so, you know, they got to handle you with kit gloves that you don't have any authority and you can't rise up and fight. You can rise up and fight and you don't even have to break a sweat. You don't even have to, it's not going to take you hours. When all of a sudden you recognize that things aren't going well, you just simply say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you must go. In the name of Jesus, I am covered by the blood. In the name of Jesus, this house is covered by the blood. Satan, do not try to come in here anymore. Do not try to come into my thoughts and make me think that I'm unworthy or this situation is bad or this or that. That is not from you, and that is not from God. If you come into our counseling room, i got a big bulletin board, and one of the first things it says is, whose thought is it? Did you know that Satan's thoughts come at you like fiery darts? That's what it says here in Ephesians, if we were to read this entire part. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read the whole thing, and I know I'm over on time, but we're going to pray. with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love this. Now, some people will read it in its entirety and say, well, I don't have righteousness. I don't have a shield of righteousness, so I can't do it. Hello? Nobody has any righteousness. Are you talking about? Don't you dare put on a shield of your righteousness. You know how many holes are in that thing? You're called a Christian. You believe in Christ. The Bible says you put on his righteousness. Why do you think I'm taking something and putting it on? Because I don't have it. My body doesn't possess it. I'm putting on the righteousness of Christ, and his righteousness is perfect, so nothing can hit me. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation when I believe in Christ. I am putting on the belt of truth. What is the truth? Satan is under your feet. That is what the scripture says. It says that he is under your feet. You have all authority, he will not harm you. But you have to use the name of Jesus. You can let someone harm you that doesn't have the authority to do it. I can let somebody into my house and let him stab me with a knife. Or I can keep the door shut and I can call for backup and call the police and say, come over here, somebody wants to harm me. The question is, what are you going to do when the enemy is coming after you? Are you going to say, well, I must deserve it? Are you going to say, "Uh uh-uh, in the name of Jesus, go? Go. Well, I don't know, Mary, if it's Satan or not. Then tell whoever it is to go in the name of Jesus. And if it's you making stupid choices, then hopefully God will open your eyes to that. But if it's Satan coming against you and you tell him to go, he has to go. Let's be real. Sometimes we do stupid things. Sometimes the people in relationship with us do stupid things and we suffer the consequences of their stupid things. But sometimes it is Satan just coming against us sometimes it's a combination it's okay to say I will always do my best I will evaluate the situation what should I have done differently what can I do differently Lord bring healing if it's my body and I'm sick and if it's spiritual Satan you must go no more influencing this sometimes he just takes advantage sometimes it's just it's like an earthly thing When your mom was pregnant maybe you got you know exposed to something and now you're in your 50s and you got lung cancer and it's just, it's just an earthly thing. It's just the, the world we live in, and you just need to ask Jesus to bring healing to your body. But you don't tell me Satan plays fair and says, oh, look at that poor cancer victim. I'll leave him alone today. He's having a rough day. No. He's like, ha-ha, he's down. I'm going to kick him. Let me kick them. Let me kick them. Let's throw a little depression in on top of that. Let's throw a little bit of this on top of that. Let's throw a little self-pity on top of that. Let this person think that they deserve it. They're just going to die, and they'll go to heaven, but I can get them out of here because I know God's plan for the next 20 years is for them to change their community, but if I can get them to die now and accept it, then that's what I'm going to do. So when I pray over somebody that's got cancer, that is sick, say, in the name of Jesus, not only are we going to pray for healing, but we're also going to pray against any demonic oppression that's coming on you because you're in this situation. Because let's be real, Satan is going to kick you while you're down. It takes you 10 extra seconds to say, in the name of Jesus, if there's any demonic power that is taking advantage of this situation, go. In the name of Jesus. That simple, go. Go. If you read through the scriptures, when Jesus would deal with things, he would just say, go, 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 go. I like to tell them, go and don't ever come back. Don't ever come back. Because they want to come back. They consider you their home. They're finding a good real estate to live in. When they wander, for whatever reason, I can show you scriptures where it talks about this. Like I said, we don't need two years of theology for you just to believe me what the word says. But when you dig into it, for whatever reason, the spirits, they don't like wandering the earth. They, they get something from being in a human body. that's better for them to be in a human body or to have a place. So they'll either find a human person or they'll find a home, a house. So people will talk, oh, that house is haunted. Oh, it's my grandpa in there. No, it's not your grandpa. Your grandpa's either in heaven or your grandpa's in hell now the spirit that tormented your grandpa when he died he stayed in that house and he knows your grandpa's mannerisms and he knows where your grandpa's favorite chair was and he knows whatever so he'll stay and pretend like he's your grandpa because then you let him stay you think oh isn't it so nice grandpa's here with me you let him stay but he's got schemes he's doing stuff when you're not looking you don't want to invite somebody like me in to tell your grandpa's spirit to go. But if you knew that it wasn't your grandpa's spirit and that it was a demon that had tormented your grandpa for the last 75 years and now he's just waiting and all of a sudden maybe your brand new newborn you know, comes along and starts having anger fit one day and enters in and now it becomes that, they got a new house now. If you would have known that you let a demonic spirit stay in your house to one day infect your grandchild, you would have kicked it out a long time ago. But we don't, because we don't know. Because we don't make a big deal about it. It's like, well, there's a spirit realm and we'll talk about it if you need me to come over, but we don't want to talk about it on a Sunday morning. It's too deep, right? Are you kidding me? Majority of your problems this week was probably because of demons. And you want me to get up here on Sunday morning and tell you how to live life and not address what's actually causing you problems? That's kind of like going to a doctor and saying, Man, I got a bad headache. I don't know what's wrong with it. And the doctor looks at you and you got a pair of scissors sticking out of the side of your head. Well, I don't know. Are you drinking enough water? Well, let's put you on some vitamins. Let me give you some migraine medicine. Right? And the nurse is standing in the room going, Really? Let's remove the scissors out of the guy's head. Well, we're just going to ignore that. All right. Well, we've got to move on. I can do this forever. I'm going to talk about this again next week. I'm going to get into a little more detail. This is kind of like letting you know you've got the authority, and all you have to use is the name of Jesus. But next week, we're going to talk about a few other things. We're going to get into a little bit more detail. Does that sound good? All right, so if you know anybody that would like to hear this, you can always share the Facebook recording of today and then encourage them to come next week. So we're going to take the the communion, but before we do, wouldn't you all like to take communion without anything demonic on you? So here's the thing. Well, Mary, I don't think there's anything on me. Okay, that's fine. But do you give me permission to pray that if there is, I can tell it to go? Give me permission? All right, so why don't you just stand up if you want me to pray over you. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the name of Jesus, and we're going to tell anything that might be on you or in you or been around you, maybe has been in your home, has been in your life in any way, that if it's there and it is not from God, that today is the day it must go. All right? In the name of Jesus, I speak to any demonic spirit... Any fallen angel, any demon that has been on these people, that has been around these people, that has been oppressing these people, that have been tormenting these people, that have been stealing from these people, that has been trying to kill these people in any areas of their lives. I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus, you must go and you are not to return you are to leave their homes. You are to leave their workplaces. I don't care what your assignment has been. If your assignment has affected the people that are in this room that are standing right now that have said, yes, I want you to pray for me, Pastor Mary, I give you permission, you must leave right now in the name of Jesus. You are no longer allowed to affect their lives in any way. I come in the name of Jesus with the authority of Jesus from Almighty God with the power and the The might of his heavenly army. And I tell you to leave them right now in the name of Jesus. You must go. You must leave their homes. You must leave their cars. And I don't care if somebody else lives in that house that doesn't give them authority. In the name of Jesus, with the authority that they have, because they are in that home, those demons must leave right now. And Father God, we ask you, in the name of Jesus, to station angels around their homes, around their workplaces, around their relationships, to be alerted and to fight the spiritual battles if any demon ever tries to come back to harm them. Father God, give them wisdom and show them if something tries to come back, if they open the door to something, that they recognize it immediately and they can say, in the name of Jesus, you must go. Father God, let them understand that the spiritual realm is real. Ignoring it and saying it doesn't exist is not helping them in any way. Even if they're unsure, there is no reason why they can't stand up and just use that name of Jesus. You've given us your name. We thank you for that authority that you've given us. We embrace it and we apply it to our lives. Bless us, Father God. Let the curses and the demonic influences fall off of us right now. Soften our hearts in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that the demons have been told to leave and they have left. We receive your peace. We receive your power. We receive your healing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, feel free to have a seat. The ushers will come up, and we will bless this. So what's interesting is when we talk about the name of Jesus and the power of the, the blood was shed, it's a blood covenant. You may or may not know this, but Satanists are big. They want to mimic what God has given us. Anything God gives us that's a blessing, they want to mimic it so when they have their communion they have a called a black Sabbath what they'll do is they'll cut each other and they will put a little bit of blood from everybody they'll have the men ejaculate and they'll put the semen in with it they'll mix it up and then that's what they pass around and that's the covenant they have with Satan with each other so this isn't aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't say okay disciples let's all give each other a little bit of blood let's drink it no he said we can just use juice and it can represent my blood so God was much better with how he did it for us. Isn't this good? Aren't we glad this is just juice? All right, let's pray over this. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I consecrate this bread and juice for Holy Communion. Father, may your Holy Spirit fill it in the name of Jesus. We pray, remember, and trust in you. Amen. 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 All right, so unlike the Satanists, who believe in the power of covenant our covenant is with a living God and not with each other not with Satan and his peace and his healing and his might is given to all that's one of the other things with with Satan's nest in the spiritual realm is they like to have authority and power and be better and bigger than each other well, I'm a I'm a grand warlock, and you're just a you're just at this level, and you're just at this level, and even with um you know some of the stories that have been written, you know there's different levels of their power, like when you read books about witchcraft and things like where it's you know it might be like a children's book, but they still with the witchcraft world they have different levels of power. Here's the thing with Christians, you want to know what the difference with Christians? We've all been given the power and authority. We all have the same level i'm not a better person or better christian or higher up than you are you might in your heavenly in your earthly mind think well she's the pastor she's the one authority guess what i'm just a christian just like you and i are i just have a different gift i have the gift of a big mouth that is the difference the bible calls a gift of teaching i call it the gift of the big mouth and my big mouth gets me in trouble a lot of the time but you have a gift you have a gift, it's just different than my gift. It doesn't make me better than you, it just makes me different than you. So today, I'm tasked with a different job than you are. But with Christianity, we're all the same. We've all been given the opportunity to remember what Christ did. We've all been given the authority to use the name of Jesus. We've all been given the ability to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, Satan is going to work really hard on you and say, You're not worthy. That's where shame comes in and condemnation comes in. Or he'll or get you angry and he'll get you offended. That's the other tactic of Satan. If he can't get you to feel ashamed and keep you away, then he'll get you offended. And he'll find, you, find some reason why you don't want to accept it. But we've all been given the opportunity. It's the same for everyone. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. May we take it. Father God, we thank you that when Jesus went to the cross, not only was his blood shed, but his body was broken for us. It is so clear in Isaiah 55 that the breaking of his body brings us blessings it says he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we are so thankful that he was willing to have his body broken and the blood shed. in verse 27 it says then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the Covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us take the cup. Father God, we enter this covenant with you that we do not have to do life alone, but we can use the name of Jesus not only to have forgiveness of our sins, to have healing for our body, but to have peace in our souls. And if that means using the name of Jesus to tell the demons who are tormenting our souls and not letting us have peace, then so be it. We thank you that we have entered a blood covenant with you and that we are allowed to use your name. We receive all of the benefits, and we thank you for this reminder. Help us as we go through this week to simply say, Satan, you must go in the name of Jesus. And as we continue to learn this week of practical steps and how to apply it to our lives, that we will begin to see a difference in our attitudes. We will begin to see a difference in our situations. We will be able to feel more peace and comfort in our homes because they have been cleaned out. And we do not leave these homes in our hearts empty. Where once a spirit of lust was, now it's just empty and I, and I have no, no, no peace, no joy, no satisfaction. Even though that was a false peace or a false joy, it was something, and now I just feel empty. See, that's where Satan wants to trick us to open those doors again. Father God, we don't leave this place empty We leave this place filled with your love and with your power and with your joy. And we ask you right now in the name of Jesus for every single person who took that blood covenant, who took that bread, that they take in your Holy Spirit, they take in your joy, they take in your peace, they take in your healing and fill them, Father God, to overflowing so they don't need to look to anything else to fill a void in them. They just need to look to you. So this week, if they begin to feel a void and void, and they want to reach to something that isn't of you, that isn't good for them, that you will whisper in their ear and you will remind them and say, I am enough. The power of God is enough. Come to me. And they will take a moment and say, Jesus, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me your peace. Give me your joy. We thank you for that. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day, and we will be here next Sunday at 10 a.m. See you then.